This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. All right, let me stop playing. Let me stop playing. So rest in peace, Demarius Thomas. It just caught me off guard. It really did. Um, We was all watching Thursday Night Football, and right as the game was getting tight, I see on Twitter that Demarius Thomas passed away. And I'm just like, man, dang, man, just out of nowhere. I'm like, what happened? He said it was a medical issue. He said he possibly had a seizure. Regardless, it's just so sad. And just seeing all the celebrities with their memories, their stories, and their pictures with Demarius, Tom Brady had a picture with him. Manning, DeMarcus Ware, and it was like, dang, man, this guy was something special, and he is truly going to be missed. Um, Just my condolences to all his teammates, the fans, his family, everyone who um, was important to Demarius, just pray for them. My, My condolences, definitely. Man, moving on, though. So I went to Columbus once again. Last-minute decision. I prayed to God to help me with that decision. And uh, I was a little back and forth. A little, you know, back just, just that whole day. Just that whole day on that Tuesday where I was deciding whether to go or not. It's just a lot of resistance and back and forth. But ultimately, you know, God wanted me to go the whole time, and I was resisting because I was like, it's too much money. My car isn't in the best shape. And my registration and my registration and my inspection stickers expired. So if I get pulled over, it's a wrap. So I went, and I ended up having a good time, as I always do. And I really had a good time fellowshipping with my good friend Zach and um also got to see a game I I saw a few games but the main one was Cavs versus King missed about the first quarter but the rest of it uh the Cavs just dominated if they're going to look that good the East is in trouble well still it's going to be very hard for them to get past the Nets and the Bucks but can they win two games off them in the second round? Yeah, if they play like that, yeah. But if they play like they did in the first half, especially in the second quarter, where it seemed like every basket they made, it just it just seems like the basket was like an ocean. And they was just throwing a rock in the ocean. They was just making everything, especially Garland. And they were really rocking and rolling, and the crowd was really showed up. It was a much better crowd than when I was there for their game versus the Heat back in May, I believe, during the NFL draft, or right after the NFL draft. Much better crowd. This crowd was invested. They were lively. It was a great game. It, it, was, it was a great second quarter. Like I've never seen that place rock like that. Since LeBron. I don't know what they were doing in the second half. I don't know how you lose a 30-point lead that got cut to, I think, five. 
the league got cut to five because what the Kings did was, well, first of all, it helps that the Cavs went from shooting 61% to 48%. And also what they did was they put Davion Mitchell on Garland. And Davion Mitchell is really good. I was like, I see why he went first round. It's one thing to be an elite defender, which he is. But it's on offense. He can play make. He can make it happen. He can get to the rim. He can make shots. Like, this guy is the real deal. I can see why they benched De'Aaron Fox basically the whole fourth quarter to leave this guy in. Because that lineup of Davion Mitchell, Buddy Hill, I think Satu or whoever number seven is, that lineup was killing. And Marvin Bagley. I think he was in there too. I think Harrison Mars. That that lineup got them back in the game. And Buddy, Buddy was being Buddy. And he still left some stuff on the table at the end. But Buddy was being Buddy and he was hitting some back breaking threes. Uh the Wizards are supposed to play the the Wizards are supposed to play these same Kings tonight, but Alvin Gentry got tested positive for COVID. So I don't know if that game's going to happen or not. Looks like all their players are fine. Uh, I haven't heard anything. But, man, what a game. Cavs and Kings, uh, very impressed. Mobley is really good. Garland is really good. I already knew Jared Allen was really good. I got him in fantasy. You know, he had another three blocks. Like, you got Mobley who can do it inside and out. You know, he can take bigs away from the basket. And and then you got Allen, who's a pretty much a traditional big and great defensively. And you got role players like, like Rubio, who hit some big shots at the end. When the Kings looked like they were going to come all the way back, Rubio hit them big shots at the end that put the game away. And, and Seti Osman can shoot too sometimes. And the rise of a coral. He led, if I'm not mistaken, he led all scorers. Or he led the Cavs scorers. No, no, no. He he led all scorers. He was great. He was great. Looked like a good team, even without Colin Sexton. I look out for them. They're going the right way, and I don't know what the Wizards are doing. But uh, I will get to them later. But that was a great game. But before I get into all the... Uh, NFC East nonsense and the Eagles. Um, I didn't think I'd be talking about this, but COVID is taking over the world again. No, it's already taking over. It's it's here, bro. It's just, it's here. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. We just got to learn to live with it and adjust. But once again, you know, this new variant it's not even, you know what's crazy with all the rise in uh, COVID cases amongst NBA players and NFL players and even hockey players? I mean, you got Calgary postponing games. Or is it Minnesota? Um, yeah, see, Calgary has three games postponed. The Bulls have a big outbreak. The Bucks they lost Giannis. The Kings, I just told you the Kings lost their head coach. Then in the NFL, the Browns lost Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt, 
Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper. That's like their whole offense. Wyatt T- Teller and um, my man who's from Kentucky that went to Alabama, uh, J- Jedrick Wills. Yeah. He lost him too. Man, and they got to play on Saturday, and they lost Kevin Stefanski. Like, this is, this is crazy. And then, I, I mean, I'll get into Washington football team later. Well, I will soon, like like in a minute or two. But, yeah, even Washington football team, I think, got 17 people missing. Now, the Eagles only have Quez Watkins out. But, I mean, Quez Watkins, yeah, okay, he's – He's a big play threat for us. I mean, that's one less weapon we have. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're a running team, and he barely gets the ball anyway. It's all good. But still, you know, all these people in COVID protocol hope they get well soon. It's just a lot of people, a lot of big names in COVID protocol, and it's not really the new variant. (laughs) It's not the new variant. It's only... A few people confirmed with the new variant. That's that's the craziest part about it. So we starting to see some canceled games. I should have known something was up, but my referee assignment yesterday got postponed because of COVID. Leagues getting canceled, or not canceled, but postponed because of COVID. And it's crazy. I guess I'll start getting into the Washington football team now. So... In addition to this is this is all people who are on COVID for Washington football team. Kendall Fuller, who apparently is unvaccinated, so he's definitely not playing on Sunday. Tim Settle, a backup defensive lineman. Jonathan Allen, the best defensive lineman. Casey Tuhill, a backup defensive end. James Smith-Williams, a backup defensive end. Montez Sweat, who is apparently unvaccinated, so he's definitely not playing. See, the unvaccinated players, they got to be out 10 days. And the vaccinated players just had to have two negative tests within 24 hours. So, So that means Baker could come back, and that means half the people in this Washington football list could come back. Uh, William Bradley King. He's a practice squad D lineman. Khalid Hudson is a linebacker. David Mayo is a lineman. No, he's a linebacker. Hudson's a linebacker. Kendall Fuller is their best cornerback. And then add to the list, Ioannidis, who is their second best D tackle. I was afraid of him. It doesn't look like he's playing. Apparently, he's unvaccinated, but we don't know yet. We don't know. I don't know what the vaccination status is, but, I mean, to have, like, three of your best defensive players unvaccinated and for sure out against the Eagles, not good. And then the cherry on top, Cal Allen, who had to come in for Heineke a bunch in the Cowboys game, he has COVID, but we don't know if he's vaccinated. So, if he is, he might still be available. But just in case, they signed Jordan Tamu. And this all comes full circle. Because I think it was March 6th, the D.C. Defenders played St. Louis Battlehawks. Just back when my podcast, I was talking about D.C. Defenders. They were playing St. Louis, 
and the starting quarterback, St. Louis, who was the hottest team in the Eastern Conference, was Jordan Tamu. And who was his backup? Taylor Heineke. And I'm going to the Eagles in Washington on Sunday, and those two are most likely going to be your quarterbacks, just like back March 6th in 2020. Wow, deja vu. The only thing that would complete this deja vu trip would be, one, the Eagles winning, and two, everything getting postponed after that game. (laughs) I mean, it, it would have to be out of control for that to happen. Things would have to be completely out of control for that to happen. Uh, Let's just hope not. Let's see what happens. I mean, it is what it is, man. Uh, You know, once I started hearing the numbers going up on the COVID list, I was like, oh, they're going to postpone this game. They're going to postpone it. It's a wrap. (laughs) And then someone on Twitter told me that Washington football team might forfeit because they got unvaccinated players who caused the outbreak. I don't know if they're going to go that far. I think they got enough players to make it happen. Um, They still got Heineke. They still got William Jackson. They still got uh, Cam Curl. They still got Landon Collins. They still got the Ron Payne. They still got Jamin Davis, who's getting better. And on the offensive side, they might have Terry McLaurin. It looks like it's going to be a tough go for him. They got him. Deami Brown isn't really doing anything. You got to watch Adam Humphreys and um, Antonio Gibson. Even though he has fumbling problems, he's still dangerous. And they might have J.D. McKissick. So, they still got some pieces there. But that's why the bird has to take care of business. We're the healthier team. The healthier team, and I think we're still better despite all that. More physical up front. Can run the ball. And on defense, we're underrated. Like, I know Darius Slay has had a tough time guarding McLaurin. But he's been so good this year, I don't mind putting him on McLaurin if he's playing. So the Cowboys kind of provided the blueprint of how to beat Washington. You First of all, you got to stop the run. Second of all, you got to limit Heineke running. And also, you got to force him into mistakes. The Cowboys did that and almost ran away with the game. But they was BSing, and they were turning the ball over, and they let Washington back in it. I, <laughs> I'm speechless. But that's that's pretty much the blueprint. They put pressure on Heineke. They shut that offense down for about three quarters. I feel like the Eagles have the – they definitely have the ability to do that with them guys up front. With uh, Ridgeway and um, Fletcher Cox, 
Josh Sweat, Derek Barnett, like these guys can get after Heineke and make life miserable for him. <clears throat> because dog, I mean, with all that's going on with the Washington football team, though you gotta beat him. You gotta beat him. And and not even just because the COVID thing. But because the playoffs are on the line. We're both six and seven. But see, this is not bad for a team y'all said was going to be in last. But they are not in last, are they? They are competing for a wild card spot. And they are a legitimate. They are a legitimate. They are a legitimate wild card contender. I mean, come on, man. Come on, man. Did y'all really think Washington? With a tougher schedule and a quarterback carousel, it's going to be that much better than the bird? Wow. Tripping. And then the Giants, I'm like, man, what? I was like, they okay. But they're not like, they're definitely not that much better than the Eagles. I was like, they're not better than the Eagles at all. And from what I've seen, they're definitely not better than the Eagles. But I'll get to the Eagles and Cowboys a little bit later to wrap up my thoughts about the Eagles in Washington. I mean, it's just going to come down to, like Grant and Danny said, who's going to be able to run the ball? Who's going to win the battle up front? I mean, that's how well, that's what it usually come down to. But especially in this game where both teams kind of built their resurgence off of running the ball. I mean, the play up front is just going to be very important. And in the turnover battle. Because when the Eagles lost to the Giants, four turnovers. We wasn't supposed to lose to them chumps. What? But the turnovers. The turnovers killed us. So the Bird lost to the trash. And now the Bird is going to... Is going against the sitcom. But it's okay. Because remember this. It's 2021. And you want to respect the bird. <laughs> I got the birds. 30 to 20 over the Washington sitcom team. I mean, they're going to fight. They always been fighting, especially these last few weeks. I mean, Taylor Heineke is a gamer. He may not be very accurate. He may have had terrible stats. I mean, like his 4.9 QBR last week, that was terrible. 122 in passing yards. Also, he had gains of 196 and 206. We got to get after this guy. But at the end of the day, I think they will. Eagles take care of business at home, and they're going to get them. They're going to get them. The Eagles are number one in the league in rushing. If they assert that, and I believe they will, it's going to be a long day Washington football team. But it's going to be hard to get rid of them because they they fight, man. We're going to see what happens, though. Now, the rest of the NFC East, the Giants – are trash. <clears throat> they lost to the Dolphins. 
and they got blasted by the Chargers. I know they didn't have Daniel Jones. He got hurt again. But every every time I've watched this team since the game against the Bird, I was just sitting up here just scratching my head astonished. I am astonished that we even lost to this team. It is unbelievable. I cannot believe it. Even when I watched the game, I was like, we got no business losing to this team. We did all that stuff. We played horribly. We played one of our worst games of the season and was still a play away from winning. Trash. But we lost to them. You have got to be kidding. I think even with Daniel Jones, they weren't going to beat the Chargers. I don't even know if they would have beat the Dolphins. But they had an outside chance of making the playoffs. I thought they had a good enough defense and enough talent around uh, Daniel Jones to maybe sneak in. But then I watched them play, and I was like, yeah, no, they trash. I don't know how the Eagles lost to them. I can't believe this. I'm shocked. And when the Eagles play them, I think it's about next week. It's a week and a half from now. Got to punish them. You got to bury them once and for all because this is ridiculous. They go. It don't matter who called the plays. They still trash. So we got to stop playing and put them to bed. And the Cowboys, wow. I thought, well, yeah, they are the best team in the NFCs, but the gap has definitely shrunk. The Washington game has showed me, as talented as they are, they still messing around. Dak Prescott threw two more picks including a, a a pick six. At the end of the game, you're supposed to be milking the clock out. You throw a pick six in your own territory to Cole Holcomb. What are you doing? Trash. Trash. Trash decision. And I'm heated. You're supposed to body them. Now, the first half of that game against Washington, they definitely looked like far away in a better team. I was like, man. They are so much better than every team in the NFCs. Then the second half happened. They only scored three points. They let a 24-0 deficit get cut down to 27-21, and Washington had the ball at the end. I'm supposed to be afraid of this team? You know what, bro? I was, you know, I was hoping that the Cowboys didn't play their starters at the end because um, at the end of the season against the Eagles, because they have everything wrap up. But now I hope they do. Because I think the Eagles can beat them regardless. Because I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Is, is this what I'm watching? And then with the Eagles being able to run the ball like they do, if they can run it like they do, if they can run it like Denver did, Cowboys in trouble. I'd love to play they starters. Because Dak is inconsistent. Tony Pollard's not healthy. Zeke isn't healthy. Offensive line isn't healthy. Now, Micah Parsons is a beast. But let's slow down. Y'all calling him LT. Y'all saying he's one of the best defensive players ever already as a rookie. He's saying that the NFL is easy. It's not all that hard. I think think he's the defensive player of the year. I'm like, slow down. There's still four more games to go. He is really good. 
And blocking them one-on-one is, like, disrespectful. But still, I just we just got to slow down. Let's not get too hype yet. You know, we got to see what happens once people start double-teaming him. We got to see what happens when he plays against better teams and higher stakes. Hey, but sky's the limit for him. I hope he does do well. And and even though it's for them boys, ugh. even though it's for them boys, it's okay. I mean, he's he seemed like a good guy and a hard worker. But let's just slow down on the LT talk and the defensive player of the year and the best linebacker pass rusher in the league. Let's relax. Let's cut it out. Come on, man. Now you got the Eagles radio guys saying maybe we should have took him instead of Devonta Smith. But, you know, they kind of came to their senses eventually and realized that uh, Devontae Smith was the better choice because we needed a receiver more than we needed a linebacker, even though we needed a linebacker too. But we needed, yeah, we needed a receiver, and we wasn't sure if Jonathan Gannon was going to use – Micah Parsons correctly anyway. So it worked out. It's it's like Madden. It's like Madden when Micah Parsons fell to me, I jumped and I took him. Cause he was the best player in the draft. And it turned out to be that way. He was he had the highest rating. And he did everything for me. I still wasn't very good. I didn't still didn't win that many games, but <laughs> he he did great. But let's just slow down on that. Enough about that. The Cowboys are very talented, and they have a lot of potential to do something in the playoffs. But this just potential. It's like my coach said back in the day. That means you haven't done it yet. And if they play like they did against Washington, oh, my God. Even, okay, even the game against the Raiders wasn't that impressive. They better get it together. Because if not, you're one and done. And you might have to play the bird. Twice. Game over. And we gonna eat y'all. Like a cheesesteak. Come on now, Cowboys fans. The excuses are over. You got everyone back now. You shouldn't be playing like garbage. But hey, we'll see, man. But I mean, this is what we should be used to with the Cowboys. Them choking in December and January. And it's starting to happen again. Because they looking like a first-round exit. All right. All right, enough of that. Well, it's time for the Sooner Schooner. So, Brent Venables is the coach. That's what I was hoping for, man. I was like, I hope we bring him back, man. He was Bob's right-hand man. He was the coach when I had that little three-week um, winter workout experience with OU football. He was a coach that had no voice at 5 o'clock in the morning and tried to yell anyway. All he did was yell. That's why he had no voice. <laughs> Never forget, man. But, yeah, he, he's, bringing some <clears throat> he's bringing some of that Bob Stoops type of toughness and environment back to OU. I mean, we got Smitty back. And I, I'm just like, I'm just excited. I'm excited. It's going to be vicious, man. I, 
I, I, I love this hire. And people were hoping we hired Brent Venables. And it's just, we got him. Ladies and gentlemen, we got him. So, you already know. It's a wrap. It's a wrap for our rivals. Our rivals don't think it's a good hire because he's never been a head coach. And I don't I don't even know why, what other reason they gave. Like, <laughs> he doesn't have much experience. All right, man, you still got to beat us. And, yeah, we lost Relique Brown and Malachi Nelson and some other folks. But we're going to gain more because this is Oklahoma. It looked like we're keeping Gentry Williams. And, yeah, man. Boomer sooner. I think we'll be fine. Uh, real quick, uh, before I get to sooner basketball, so Shane Beamer is working. And Shane Beamer is working in South Carolina. He was able to get Spencer Rattler and Austin Stogner, which makes sense. I didn't even think about that. I forgot he was down there. And I forgot that he possibly had – a hand in recruiting these guys. So he probably built a relationship with these guys and was able to get them to Columbia, South Carolina, knowing they're from nowhere near there. But got them to come anyway because they love the guy and they love what they're building in South Carolina. I'm happy for them. I, I really was hoping that Spencer Rattler went to US, US not USC, but UCLA to go against Lincoln Raleigh or Arizona State. But I'll take South Carolina. What what might happen, though? What if we end up in the SEC and have to play against him? That would be insane. And if the game is in Columbia, I am going. I don't care. I'm going. <clears throat> but by the time we make it to the SEC, he should be in the NFL. So... Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get my hopes up for that dream matchup. I mean, I could always put it on a hypothetical game of the episode, but we'll see. I doubt I will. Well, I'm I'm happy for them, and I like what Shane Beamer's doing down there. I think it's a really like a best case scenario that those guys end up there. They're not really a threat to us over there in the SEC East. They're they're hooking up with Shane Beamer, who was a big part of our staff back at OU. And, you know, the South Carolina fans and the OU fans have bonded and come together, ironically, just like we've come together with the Clemson fans over Brent Venables leaving. But if I had to take someone in that rivalry, I, I think I'm going to have to go with the South Carolina side. I'm sorry. I, I know that I know the Clemson fans are really nice, but I'm still mad about Losing to y'all way back in the day. Not way back. 2015. Still mad about that. Still mad about 2014. Still mad about y'all winning two titles. Yeah. I don't forget all that trash talk. Even though you were really nice to Brent Venables. Okay. Now, okay. I promise I'm going to get to Sooner Basketball. But I got to... I know this happened like mad long ago now. This happened like like a week and a half ago, but Oklahoma State choked. They wasn't that guy. So they wasn't ready for the throne, and they choked. They were clearly the better team in that game against Baylor and managed to have, what, four, five turnovers? 
against Baylor? Unbelievable. And they had seven plays inside the five and only got three points out of it, including a fourth down stop by Baylor. And I'm just like, who is calling the plays out there? Who's blocking? And why is Spencer Sanders playing like crap in the biggest game in one of the biggest games in program history? Trash. And we lost to that? We lost. Bruh, I was watching the Big 12 title. I was like, how did OU lose to these two teams? I cannot believe it. And how did Gundy win coach of the year over Dave Aranda? It's nonsense, man. That game made me mad. But it's it's fun to laugh at Oklahoma State choking after they talked all that nonsense about beating us. They won their Super Bowl and then did nothing after that. Typical Aggie nonsense, and I'm just dying laughing. I love it. Oklahoma. Choklahoma State. Choklahoma State. We're Oklahoma. They're Choklahoma State. So, <laughs> just saying. <clears throat> oh, my God, man. All right. Sooner basketball, the students are free, and I'm salty. Because I'm like, why couldn't that happen to us? Why couldn't we be free? Like, when we were there, the ticket prices crept up and up and up and up. I think my last year, they were back in the hundreds. I think when Long Kruger first got there, it was either free or it was, like, laughably cheap. Like, $20 or $5. Then, every year went up and up and up. And my last year, it was over $100. So, but also, Buddy had gotten really good. And became one of the best players in the country. So that that made them a, a tougher ticket. But seriously, man, I'm, I'm salty. I'm like, come on. Where was this when I was there? But it's cool they get to do that. Get as many students in there as possible. They need your help. This team needs your support. And the crowd's been showing up. I don't know how the hell they lost to Butler. They just decided to go cold at the end of the game, and then don't play defense for a play and just have Butler steal the game. And um, that last play where Moja Gibson got fouled, he should have never took the shot in the first place. He had Elijah Harkless wide open, and he had been on fire, and he was the one that got us to overtime. That blew me, bro. But this team, they only got two losses. They lost to Butler and Utah State, head scratchers. Close games, at least. Head scratchers. But then they turn around, and they beat a ranked Florida, and they completely blow out Arkansas. Like, this is a head scratcher. Can this team win at Kansas or not? That's all I'm worried about. Can they even touch Baylor? Because Baylor is just, they're right back on schedule. Their role players are starters now, and they're bodying. They're still bodying. So can we beat those guys? Can we beat Baylor and Kansas? That is the thing. We'll see, though. But, man, they got, they're got they off to a pretty good start. Those those losses are head-scratching. Uh, they should have won. I mean, if they didn't lose to Butler, they'd be ranked by now. They shouldn't have lost to Butler. And I'm just like, wow. But, you know, basketball season's heating up, and I'm going to watch a little bit more. But, man, conference games are coming up, and I don't know about this team, man. I really don't.
I mean, we'll see what happens, though. All right, real quick. The Caps. Okay. The Caps have, have bounced back a little bit. Uh, so after that devastating loss to Florida, they come back. I think they, they won a game after that. Um, and then they lost to Pittsburgh in a ESPN Plus showcase game. I was listening on the radio. They were down 3 nothing, and I turned the radio off. But then once Twitter told me it was 3-2, I turned it back on again just for Pittsburgh to score open net, and then we lost. I'm just like, come on. Ovechkin's still doing his thing. I love it. It looked like we were going to lose to Buffalo. They were beating us the whole game, and then we just stole that game from them because Buffalo is poverty. So we got them. We beat uh, the Ducks in a shootout. That was a really good game to listen to. That was back and forth, uh, fast pace, and that was nice. Oh yeah, we had lost to the Blackhawks. We were on. We own the Blue Jackets right now, and I love it. So, you know, this team is uh, team is not doing too bad. You know what I'm saying? I, they still get on my nerves with some of these losses. I mean, oh wow, we're on top of the East. All that nonsense about the cap cycle, and we're still on top of the East. And we have, we're tied for the second most points in the entire league. So, just, I know the fall off is coming. It always comes. But how are they going to bounce back? And at the end of the day, are they going to win in the playoffs? That's what it all is going to come down to. That's what it's all going to come down to. That's what it always come down to. Now, the Wizards. Now, the Wizards have fallen all the way back. They're pretty much, they've pretty much gone back to normal. They had a strong start, had us all believing. Now, they're falling back. Their schedule got a little tougher, and now they're getting at work. Like, they lost to the Nuggets, expected. They were at Denver. We don't have anyone to guard Jokic. He got damn near triple-double on us. That game against the Pistons was really good, though. That was that was fun to watch. The only reason that game went to overtime, because they couldn't defend the pick and roll and kept putting um, Gafford on Kay Cunningham, and they had no adjustment for that. And Kay Cunningham was just going ham. But late, I said late, in the midnight hour. Cal Kuzma hit a shot to put us up three in overtime and wave the Pistons fans goodbye. And then he got cold. Damn! Wow. Just wow. That's just how it goes, right? The Browns win a big game and then most of the offense gets COVID. The Brooklyn Nets win a big game, then James Harden gets COVID. Wow. That's just the life we, uh, <laughs> that's just the life we live, man. Odell Beckham scores a touchdown, have an epic celebration. He gets COVID. <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's insane. But that was a good game for the Wizards. But they had no business almost losing to the Pistons because they didn't want to make adjustments. And then, you know, they pretty much didn't have a chance against Utah. They tried to come back against the Nuggets. But, I mean, that game, come on. Lost to the Raptors, lost to the Pacers. What are we doing? 
what is life? And, and, and coming up, we got the Kings. I keep talking about that game. That's a very winnable game. I just saw the Kings. Very winnable game. The Suns, oh, yeah, that's an L. Even without Devin Booker, they're way better than us. They're, with the last time we went to Phoenix, we lost so bad. I, they didn't even have to play the fourth quarter. That's how bad we lost. Then we got the Jazz again at Utah. We won there last year, but we, we ain't winning this time. At the Nets, we can't stop Durant. At the Knicks, winnable game. I wish I could go, but I don't think it's a good idea. I really want to go see my team in New York, but I don't I don't think so, man. I'm, I'm going to save my money. You know it would be tight if I stayed in New York all week and watched the Wizards versus the Nets, the Knicks, and the Hawks. Boy, if I had the bread to do that, I would. I would have the time of my life. But in this stage of my life, and then come back home and watch us versus the Sixers. But in this stage of my life, uh, it's not a good idea. But it's not looking good for us. I only see maybe two wins on this schedule. <laughs> this is not good. This is bad. This is very, Stephen very bad. A. Not good at all. Lord, help us. Lord, help us, please. <laughs> for real. Oh, man. Oh, man. Um, wow. But let's get into some quick takes real quick. All right. So CFP. So you already know by now it's Alabama, Cincinnati. I truly believe Alabama is going to blow them out. But if Cincinnati is a team of destiny, then their defense is going to show up. I mean, Alabama was fooling around with Auburn, was fooling around with Florida. Lost to Texas A&M. So there's an opportunity for Cincinnati and their tough defense and their experienced quarterback and, and like, like a month of preparation to possibly give Alabama some problems, but Alabama's a better team. I expect them to win. Georgia-Michigan, I can't really call it from what I've seen. It's just going to be a physical game. Both teams going to try to run the ball. Both teams play pretty good defense. They're probably going to double Aiden Hutchinson. They're probably on the other side. They're probably going to double Jordan Davis. And uh, whatever that linebacker guy they said, I think it's Will Anderson, they said should have took Aiden Hutchinson's place. We're going to see how good he is. So it's going to be a really good game. I really wish. But it's on New Year's Eve. And we're heading into the New Year's with that game. Now, do I want to watch that game or do I want to party while I'm in Jamaica? I will decide when the time gets here. But <laughs> we'll see, man. I'm going to be in Jamaica definitely watching the first game. The second game, I don't know. So we'll see. Uh, Steph broke the record in Madison Square Garden. So predictable. Once I saw that he got shut down in Philly, they did a really good job on him. They put Matisse Thibel on him and doubled him like the entire game. Great game plan. The Sixers won. It's a game I wish I went to, but the Cavs and Kings was a nice consolation, though. It was fun. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, I wish I could have went to that game, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, good win by the Sixers. They shut him down. And I was like, okay, they got Indiana, then New York. I was like, 
I expect Indiana to do kind of the same thing and limit Steph. So that means he's going to have to do it in New York. And everything that, that, that happened exactly how I thought it would. And what happened, he got the record in New York. I knew that was going to happen. I could see it from a mile away. He did it with Ray Allen and Reggie Miller present. It was just like something out of a movie. It was just, I, I could do nothing but smile. I know I'm not the biggest Steph fan since he did what he did to my Georgetown Hoyas. But I've always respected his game, even though he's annoying against some of my favorite teams. But, you know, he's the greatest shooter ever. And he's putting himself into the GOAT conversation. Uh, the GOAT overall. And, you know, mad respect to him. That that went exactly how I thought it'd go. <laughs> now, Merlin High School Football State Championship. I only really cared about 4A. Um, congrats to QO from what I saw from that game. I thought Wise was going to win. Because they had too much speed. But then I watched the game and realized that Quince Orchard was more physical. I was like, the thing that might, when I was watching Wise against Blair, they blew them out. Killed them. I was like, the thing that might mess Wise up is that Quince Orchard got some big physical cornerbacks that can press them and get in their face. I didn't think that would actually happen. But then it actually happened. The thing I was kind of worried about actually happened. So I might be smarter than I thought. Because I had ref Quince Orchard. And I was like. And they were very hard to. They were very hard to officiate. Because their cornerbacks were really physical. And I was a back judge. So it was very hard to really call holding and, and pass interference. It was really tough because their cornerbacks were really handsy and physical. And they brought that to, to Wise, and they had no chance. Their receivers weren't getting open, and the pass rush was all over them. Now, props to Wise. They fought. They had plenty of chances, but they just couldn't do it at the end. Just, uh, just the defense was just too much. They were just too physical at the point of attack. So... Hey, maybe I'll get these guys next year. Maybe I'll ref these guys next year, and we'll see what happens. So let's see who's in the title next year. It's probably going to be Quince Orchard, Northwest, Wise, or or Paint Branch. That's why it's probably going to be one of those four. You already know. <laughs> but congrats to the Merlin State 4-8 champs. Quince Orchard, they did it again. So, and Travis Hunter chose Jackson State. This is great for HBCU. This is just bla- great for, for black pride in general. That, you know, HBCU is getting that attention lately. I see that there's uh, Morgan State versus Howard, a game that I traveled all the way to Baltimore during rush hour to see one time. This time is in Cleveland. So I definitely looking forward to that. That might be the, the, the deciding factor to get me to, go to Cleveland for all-star break. Uh, That is very tempting, and that's probably a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Well, okay, I might be over-exaggerating, but yeah. But Travis Hunter Hunter choosing Jackson State was just just awesome. Uh, Coach Prime is for real. They're winning games. They're getting top recruits. 
and they're getting the necessary attention to HBCUs. And he got an NIL deal, Travis Hunter. I'm just wishing, I'm just praying right now that he has good help, good health, well, and help, good health, <laughs> good health and good play. I'm wishing him good health and good good play because with that, you know, this guy, the sky's the limit for this guy. He will definitely go to NFL. And he just really shed the light on HBCUs, what, and that's what people are doing lately. And they putting their money in with their where their mouth is, and they're investing time into it as well. So I, I love it. I love it for HBCUs, man. Ain't nothing like historically black colleges and universities. They're just one of a kind. Um. So and they deserve the attention and the funding. You know what I'm saying? So, that's great for JSU, and that's great for HBCUs. But you already know what time it is. <laughs> it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. This hypothetical game of the episode is between the 2018 Oklahoma Sooners and the 2004 USC Trojans. I just had to do it because USC fans kept bringing up 2005. And I'm just like, ugh. Just let us be mad about this move. Now, telling us to get over it and talking about 2005, I'm like, y'all haven't done anything since 2005. We've done a lot. So just knock it off. <clears throat> You're not that good. Anyway, 2018 Sooners, you already know. Kyler Murray, Trey Sermon, C.D. Lamb, Marquise Brown. I think Mark Andrews was gone by then. Yeah, he was. Um, you also got like people like Ogbo and a young Trey Brown. I mean, it was, man, that was a Kennedy Brooks, a young Kennedy Brooks, Buki, Bolden, uh, Bolton. It was a pretty good team that made the playoffs and got down 28 to nothing to Bama and almost came back. But that's, that's beside the point. That's the 2018 Sooners, 2004 USC. You already know Gruden God, Matt Leinart, Reggie Bush, Pete Carroll, Steve Smith, Jared. Like, they were loaded, too. Uh, Lindell White, that team was vicious. And they beat the snot out of the, our 2004 team that may or may not deserve to be in the national championship. Anyway, let's get straight to the body back. <laughs> anyway, all right. For USC, they get the ball first. Jason Mitchell, 27-yard catch to start us off. Then liner to Bird for 13 yards, 7 nothing USC. Then OU comes back with a bomb by Kyler Murray. Post route, single coverage, beat the safety for 76 yards, 7-7 OU. Fireworks already. USC drives to the Sooners 13, but Reggie Bush gets stops on fourth and two by Marquise Overton. 
OU three and out after that. Then Reggie Bush with an eight-yard touchdown reception to make it 14-7 USC after one. And that, that was the score after one. So Calcaterra catches a seam, breaks a tackle for a 21-yard game. And then C.D. Lamb punches it in with a slant catch for one-yard touchdown, uh, 14-14 tied up. So then on a key play in third and 10, Matt, Matt Liner is sacked by Mark Jackson. Man, I miss him. Then OU gets it back, and Kennedy Brooks sprints down the middle 50 yards untouched, but he got stopped at the one. After a penalty, um, Kyler Murray hooks up with Hollywood for his third touchdown already in the first half. So it is 21-14 OU. Then Reggie Bush with an amazing run. He jukes Kenneth Murray, spins on Bolton, stiff arms Buki, and then runs for 28 yards. Then he punches it in later on in a drive for six yards, 21-21. Then USC gets the ball back, and Leinert hits McFoy for a touchdown, 28-21 USC, going in to the half. All right. So then start off with OU three and out, then USC drives. Um. No, it wasn't halftime. Still time left on the clock. OU three and out. USC drives. But Mitchell is tackled in bounds after catching a pass from Leinart. And time expires before they can get the kicker on somehow, some way. I don't know what they were doing. But to come out in the half, um, CeeDee Lamb catches an out route and breaks a tackle for 36. OU does nothing with that. Actually, no, they get a field goal. So it's 28-24 USC. USC offense stalls after that. Then Murray with a six scramble for 20 yards. And Trey Sermon punches it in later for two-yard touchdown. OU retakes the lead 31-28. Then Murray to Jones after they get the ball back for 32. Then another touchdown from Murray to Hollywood Brown. That is Kyler Murray's fourth touchdown of the game, and it's 38-28 OU. USC answers back with a long drive and then a big run by Reggie Bush, sets up a three-yard touchdown for Steve Smith, liner to Steve Smith, 38-35 OU. So another good drive from OU, then Murray to a young Willis for 11-yard touchdown. 45-35. So Reggie Bush has a really good kickoff return to the 42, which sets up another touchdown for USC. Liner to Buchanan, four-yard touchdown, 45-42 late in the fourth quarter. So OU three and out, and now it's getting now it's getting desperate. So USC got the ball, 148 to go, and then the first play. The very first play, no, actually the first play didn't do anything. The second play, USC catches OU by surprise and does a draw play to Lindell White, who runs over the safety and goes untouched the rest of the way for the end, for the touchdown. 49-45 USC 
122 to go. And Kyler Murray, it's time. 122 to go, fourth quarter, down four. And he gets the ball and immediately gets chased out of bounds by Gruden Gog for no gain. Then Sermon drops a pass. Now it's third down. But then it's pass interference on C.D. Lamb. Well, not by him, but the DB interfered with C.D. Lamb. So big penalty for the, for the Sooners. And then a screen to Sermon got 21 yards. Murray with a scramble. Sermon with another run. And then a dumb penalty by USC. Unnecessary roughness deep in their territory. Now it's 34 seconds left. OU at the USC 5. Rodney Anderson, one-yard loss on the play. Now it's a timeout by OU. Sermon scores on a six-yard drive on a six-yard draw play after that. And now it is 52-49 OU with 22 seconds left. Two quick passes by USC after a nice kickoff return. And now they're at the 49. They're in prime position for Harold Murray. The liner goes back to throw. He drops back, avoids the rush. He throws it up. And it is incomplete and knocked down by Trey Brown once again. And the 2018 Sooners with the dub. 52-49. 2018 OU, what a game. And that is the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode. So you already know that I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.